The Genesis Communications Radio Network proudly presents The Alex Jones Show, because there's a war on for your mind. fourth hour of the show since 1997 I have been doing a uh, weekday show at first it was one hour then in 98 it went to three hours and so for more than 10 years we have been in this time slot I'm expanding it to four hours we're going to have video feeds up on prisonplanet.com and infowars.com starting in about 51 minutes from now a document cam video clips uh, we're going to have guest cams, we're guests in studio, all of that for PrisonPlanet.tv members. But everybody can listen to the radio feed for free at InfoWars.com at 32-bit, and we're going to be upping that to 64. It is already 64 starting today for members in the fourth hour at PrisonPlanet.tv. That's 15 cents a day. That pays for the super content distribution network servers that we have uh, big difference there from your normal server systems. Okay, uh, Alan Watt is a very interesting person. He's a musician. Uh, I mean, let me just read his bio. He's been on with us a few times before, but he's with us for about an hour and 50 minutes today. He calls it his wee bit bio from his CuttingThroughTheMatrix.net website. Alan Watt is a long-term researcher into the causative forces behind major changes in historical development. His background is that of a... Renaissance man with a background in three professions, plus having various books published in religious, philosophy, poetry, mainly under pseudonyms. For much of his life, for main income, he was heavily involved in the music industry as a singer, songwriter, performer, involved in folk music, blues, pop rock, and even classical. Also known for his... uh session guitar work, he has played with some of the most well-known artists and groups. Born in Scotland, he watched the subtleties in politics and media as they guided the population of the U.K. covertly in the European amalgamation. He has been um, warning the North American people for some years now that the same process of amalgamation is being carried out. With historical documentation, he shows how cultures are created and altered by those in control, always to lead the people like sheep into the next pasture. That's right. They always have us in a current phase and are prepping us for the next phase. Just like they're creating economic collapse, the Federal Reserve publicly engineers it. Now they're offering you the next phase, giving them unlimited governmental power, no oversight, private bankers literally running everything. In the next pasture, he learns the true esoteric meanings of mystery religions for one who knows. Learn the science of religion, creation, domination. The latest book, Trilogy, Cutting Through the Matrix, Volumes 1, 2, and 3, Attempts. Uh, to deprogram the reader from his or her indoctrination from accepting the world as presented. And it uh, goes on. Uh, Alan Watt, thank you for spending time with us today. It's a pleasure to be on. You've got uh, the floor. Just just tell us about Alan Watt, a little bit more how you woke up, and then when you really clicked and decided um, in the last decade or so, uh, I-, I became aware of it in the last five years or so, to start fighting the New World Order and really go public uh, against them, now, which is a risky business, and, and, and then let's break down the basic overarching system and then get into eugenics, their overall drive. Let, let's understand the elite's mindset before we go into their control grid. Mm-hmm. Well, I caught on when I was very young to the fact that even the, the, the British system, 
although with the appearance of competition and free enterprise and so on, was entirely fixed. It was a fixed system. And it had a rigged system. And it also had a completely fake history. Uh, the history I was being taught in school didn't jive with the books written 200 years ago, which were available at some old libraries in, in Scotland. And I got into these libraries very young, from at the age of seven and eight. And I was reading stuff that happened at the time, uh, only to find out that what I was being taught in school was a completely revamped, altered history. And then I got into some of the, the major players very early on, the Bertrand Russells, the Huxleys, uh, the big families that had um, a hand in the creation of culture. And it wasn't just the creation of culture. I caught on early that there was a huge agenda at play and that we were all living through parts of it. Every generation was living through a part of it. But you can go back in history to find that this agenda was laid out openly in the court of Queen Elizabeth I, for instance, with John Dee, who coined the, the phrase, the term, the British Empire, for the first time. And he presented his idea of a British-style empire with a British-type government uh, running the world on a system of what he called free trade. And he laid it out right down to uh, those countries which would adopt that system. They would be given most favored nation trading status. This is in the, this is in the 1500s. And then you follow it down from there uh, and see it working through the British conquest of the world during the Victorian era. You also find this other group that appears initially to oppose them, and that was called Marxism, only to find out that all the Marxist philosophies were written in London, England, and that, that Marx himself and Engels and others were being sheltered and given protection by the British government. Let's stop and zoom in there. When I made my film, Martial Law, back in 2004, I went out on the streets of these peace demonstrations where most of the people were well-meaning, but there were the control groups kind of leading, and the communists were there. And I've had communists and anarchists uh, who people say that's the opposite. No, they actually work together, not the minions, but the controllers, come up to me and even tell me, yeah, we work for the government when they see there's not a camera, and we're going to kill you soon. And they understand that the leaders do. And I was explaining in the film that the big banks created communism to con the people back into serfdom and try to block some of the renaissance that the globalists controlled, but that had gotten out of their uh, total control later. And I try to explain that it's a false counter-revolution or a false revolution by the people, and the public just can't get that understanding. Can you zoom in and flesh that out a bit more? Yes, because well, Karl Marx, for instance, talked about uh, a world that would eventually come into view and he said that there'd be three trading blocks in the world, a Far Eastern trading bloc, uh, a United Europe, and a United Americas. And he wrote that in the 1840s. And lo and behold, we're living through this, this very, very thing. And so they needed conflict because they believe, you see, this is the Hegelian technique of creating oppositions and out of the, the conflict between the two parties, and people will always choose one party or another. That's why they give you left and right in politics. Yeah, it's in false country. choices. And, and, yeah. and that goes back to the mystery school, the left and right hand. Mm -hmm. One is the left, you know, the liberal. The other is the male, uh, mm -hmm. you know, patriarchal. Uh, for those that don't understand, 
And, and of course, Eric Blair, uh, in his 1984 world, there are three blocks, the Anglo-American, uh, the European, and the Asian, but then he finds out they're really all working together, and it's war against the people. That's right. The, the only reason that they could keep power over the public is, is, is constant internal warfare. And that's, of course, why government uh, exists in the first place, uh, to protect you from those bad guys over there. Now, in a world governmental system, and Karl Marx knew this too, they'd have to have a new enemy, and the new enemy would be the terror within. Terrorism would be the new enemy in a global society where there are no real borders. And we saw that happening on a mini-scale with Stalin. Uh, once they had basically conquered uh, and took over the Soviet bloc, they had to find new enemies, and suddenly they had these purges on terrorists within. It could be your next-door neighbor. And they had hate speech laws. They had hate crimes yeah. laws. Uh, yeah. they, they even used the term terrorist. And yeah. understand, any time the Nazis, the communists, any of these different tools, the globalists get in control, why do they always then mass kill? That's their mm -hmm. eugenics, which is then part of their religion, which has to have the human sacrifice. But, but, I, but I'm interrupting. Go back. Yes, and so there's no doubt about it. The big bankers and the British elite who do exist in Britain, most of them never appear on television. They're very old families. They come from the Norman descendancy. Uh, these characters are called the establishment in Britain. They are the real government above uh, the, the so-called elected governments. And they don't play politics because politics is a game. And, uh, but these characters do make an agenda. And if you look into one of their front organizations, one of the biggest front organizations that they have, it's the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And explain, that, that was then transplanted here uh, as a regional governorship known as the CFR, and they have these behind-the-throne imperial uh, uh, shadow governments in all of the original holdings. Yes, and Margaret Thatcher admitted that on, publicly when she gave her tour of the world. The, the, the tour was called the New World Order back in the 90s. And... She said, we ex-politicians, ex-premiers, ex-presidents all know each other. We never retire. She says, we, we, we have a, a parallel government which is unelected to the people. We can get more done because we're not responsible to the public. And we work tirelessly towards this goal. So she admitted what their establishment was. It is the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And they're given a royal charter by the British Crown to exist and to speak on behalf of the crown, the unelected elites. And they've been working tirelessly towards this, this world system. But again, to, to go back to how they created the two-party sides, um, they go back to nature in ancient Egypt, and they talk about the laws of nature, and of course they talked about spring, and then you'd have fall and this opposition, and summer and winter. And therefore the whole idea was everything works in harmony to a new beginning if you go through the process of having opposites in battle and conflict and it was updated much later and put in new terminology with Hegel who called it um, the thesis, antithesis and synthesis synthesis is the merging together of the two opposing sides in a compromise and over and thousands of years the elites developed this and if the elites didn't develop this and if the power behind the throne who was always his magicians they were just the con artist they understood psychology that is the hidden mystery religion they then put on the theater for those out there in the general public or the congregation and that is the big secret is just how to punch the buttons in people's minds is that your take on an Ellen Watt? 
It's all formula. That's right. Formula. formula. We'll be right back. We're going to get into their mindset, what they believe, not just what they tell us, and their extermination plans for you and your family. with video feeds at prisonplanet.tv. You'll be able to hear the audio for free at infowars.com in the fourth hour in a higher bit rate or on the mainstream at infowars.com. And we're going to be hooking into the satellites and all the affiliates in the next few weeks for our regular radio listeners out there in AM and FM land for stations that choose to carry it. Uh, going back to Alan Watt, please continue. You know, we talked about the grid they built. We're going to get more into that, but... Specifically, their mindsets, what they believe, what they're into, uh, where they think they're going. Um, from your research, get into that, Alan. Where they're going is to a utopia. They've talked about a utopia, a golden age for thousands of years. Every elite has talked about the possibility of, of immortality in this world, in this particular body, by understanding nature once again and in other words science by conquering the laws of nature to conquer death for themselves and there's no doubt about it they, they, they want to fix as they say in their, their old religions the spirit in the physical body for eternity and no more and the top two many of them do believe in reincarnation but they believe that they are the most evolved species both spiritually and physically on the planet uh, later this was brought out by Charles Darwin under another guise a pseudo-scientific guise of, of determinism uh, through uh, superior types and yeah let's be clear they, they claim on the surface they're atheists but mm -hmm. they're actually deep occultists and believe they're God and have God complexes mm -hmm. that's why they've got giant heavy cyclotrons colliding heavy particles which the equations show could cause a huge chain reaction and destroy the whole planet they can't help it though they've got to play God they have to and they truly do believe that uh, through their advanced sciences they will uh, dominate nature and everything in it when you look at the, the old psalms written for pharaohs you'll see that uh, the psalm would say uh, the pharaoh is, is God he is God on earth and he owns everything in the world. Everything that flies, crawls, walks, or burrows in the earth is his. The land is his. The people are his. He was the owner of everything. And it hasn't really changed. Uh, the elite truly believe th uh, that we should worship them for giving us their system. Uh, we should worship them for giving us jobs. And they claim that's the only purpose that we have. And like good shepherds, uh, when they have no more jobs for us, then their jobs to cull us off. Uh, that's how much they, they, they love their animals. And uh, the world that they've drawn up is to be a vastly reduced population, uh, and, and not only a reduced population, but through the genotype uh, of different people in the Human Genome Project, they're going to take the best genes and create a better race of purpose-made slaves. This has been published in many scientific journals. Uh, purpose-made humans for purpose-made jobs. That's right, and uh, what, in 1916, H.G. Wells had already written about atomic and hydrogen bombs, because Max Planck and others, by 1905, had already put out the equations, probably before that, that's when they told the public about it, yeah. 
and then they used Einstein as the vehicle to basically publicize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had, you know, he had written about the Eloy and Morlocks almost a hundred years ago. Uh, this elite, cold-blooded, psychopathic elite and their slaves, and 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 going back 150 years ago to Galton and his cousin, mm-hmm. of course Darwin. This is all an end game, ladies and gentlemen. They already believed they were the super race. They interbred and it actually made unhealthy uh, lunatics or people who were uh, had extra or less chromosomes, ma- massive genetic problems. So now they want to prove they're the best. They're saying, okay, well we'll we'll actually come in and artificially just like. In Huxley's 1933 Brave New World, we're going to make you stupid. Oh, there's no doubt about it. They had meetings at the beginning of the 20th century on how to uh, dominate the, the, the public, the general public of the entire planet through chemical means, uh, through ways of using chemicals to lobotomize specific parts of the brain. Fluoride. Yeah, to make people more, and also by using the needle, even... Um, Bertrand Russell talked about the use of the needle will make people very compliant. And they can. They can target specific parts of the brain through chemicals or viruses that they can send right to your brain. And I really do believe that that's the main reason for inoculations because we look at the IQ dropping, plunging since the 1950s. Just like sperm dropping and then all the PR ads about how good the shots are for you. Mm -hmm. And people are becoming so unhealthy... Uh, surgeons are phoning me, telling me that they're opening up young men and their bodies inside are, have advanced aging. They think they were 70 years old. Well, that's the GMO food, which they knew would do that as well. Ladies and gentlemen, you're being orderly exterminated with soft-kill weapons. All Pentagon run. Hope you enjoy it. Go ahead and serve the system. Those that are laughing, they're killing you. I know you love your masters. We'll be right back. We're on the march. The Empire's on the run. Alex Jones and the GCN Radio Network. is going out for the fourth hour at InfoWars.com. We're going to be taking your calls off a new phone number for the time being. Coming up in the fourth hour today that starts at 2 o'clock Central. And Alan Watt will be with us for the duration of that hour. Also, we're going to take the hour-long encoding of my document cam, of the video cam in here on me, and on the video clips we play, and Alan Watt, and that will be uploaded and posted at PrisonPlanet.tv within a few hours at the end of the show. Uh, because this is the Internet, and sometimes there will be glitches on the cam when thousands and thousands of people are on there. But we're always encoding here locally. We've got one machine encoding now. We're going to go to about two soon as backup, and so you'll always be able to see it, period. It's going to be very, very timely. Always, even if you miss it live while you're at work, you'll be able to get home, and there'll be the new video for you five days a week. We're even looking into coming in with just a basic webcam on the Sunday show as we develop and expand things. So the free audio of the show, of the radio show, coming up in the fourth hour, Infowars.com. But if you want the video cam, get your 15 cent a day, PrisonPlanet.tv membership. Going back to uh, 
researcher Alan Watt, who joins us from Canada. His website, CuttingToTheMatrix.net, CuttingToTheMatrix.net, a link up on Infowars.com. Uh, Alan, please continue. Yes, and so the, the dialectical process works so well because the public, as I say, will always pick this side or that side, whichever one appeals to them or whichever side their father or mother has followed before. They, they adopt the same attitude, and they don't think beyond that. However, this agenda was to be set up under a new system, eventually, that would take over from this vague term called democracy. We've never really had a true democracy in the history of the world. And um, the, new, the new system that would come in, and this was published at the beginning of the 20th century, they said that under this new democracy, only those biggest groups that exist and who are authorized to exist would have a say in the affairs of government. We now call them non-governmental organizations. And so with the use of, again, front NGO groups, non-governmental organizations, who would pretend to demand from government on behalf of the public that certain laws be passed on various things, they would guide this whole system into their brave new world scenario. And it's all stated, and they brag, even in these textbooks, hundreds of books out there, we'll list some of the names, that the slaves never read so we can admit they're slaves. And they also point at the Renamob NGOs, non-governmental organizations, and then say that that is the grassroots. Really, this is all an elaborate uh, thespian. The whole world is a stage, each of us a player upon it. Of course, we know that Shakespeare was an insider. That was really just a uh, an acronym for a group of Illuminists that wrote under his name. He really wasn't writing a book a week, ladies and gentlemen. And the history shows that some say it was really the king or the prince. Well, it, it, it was. William Shakespeare was just a front for a whole group of these people to put this out. And so they expansively then pre-programmed the public, control both sides uh, of the debate. Mm-hmm. It was even deeper because they introduced a whole new language into England with the King James Bible and Shakespeare around the same time. Because prior to that, if you read the writings of Chaucer and others around the 11th century, you'll see that they were speaking a form of Saxon German. And so the best, they even upgraded the language because language itself is very important to this whole agenda. We think in a language. We're like computers. And technically, uh, and they knew this a long time ago, uh, if they gave you a certain type of language and, and they already know the logic, like the logic of a computer, uh, then the programmer will know the answer to every question that you as a being must arrive at because you'll use your logic, use their language, and you'll arrive at the predestined conclusion. Why do people love logos? The Volkswagen logo, the CBS logo... Because because in our development, we would know what if a spider was poisonous or not by its spots or by its red hourglass or by its little violin. We would know uh, whether a fish was good to eat by its spots, by the way it looks. And so language really in, in the human mind uh, is, is symbols or, or, or characters like in Chinese or Japanese where it's pictorial pictographs, uh, pictures, they then come in and change the meaning of those words and then add new uh, uh, mental recognition to those verbal signals, and they are now altering those. Yeah, it's very, very simple. It's very, very simple, and sure enough, they do keep changing the meanings of words, and George Orwell warned, warned us about that, too, how easy it is to do, and if you start to uh, adapt 
can adopt the new terms that are given to you, um, you're being programmed automatically. Most people today, and this was written about in the 1960s by the Royal Institute of International Affairs, when they had the world meeting to decide which organization, which country would lead the world for the new culture, and they said that they'd give the job to Hollywood. Most young people uh, watch all of these soaps and so on, their dramas, their, their school dramas and so on, and they don't realize there's new words, new vocabulary being introduced, new meanings of words as they change them, and they start to parrot them, they mimic them, as Charles Galton Darwin said. So this is a, an age-old technique of controlling culture through the use of words and the, the gradual... Now let's be clear. That was firmly institutionalized going back 50 years ago where the FBI would oversee all the production houses and have you arrested or blackballed if you didn't follow the order. There is the overt control. Mm -hmm. Now today, the feds since 2001 have been spending $45 million a year, and this was in uh, the Washington Post, L.A. Times, to just pay one script-writing house to write the, quote, government terror scripts. And then you look, and they're actually using those terror scripts in real attack, so it goes vice versa. And then I remember having uh, the lone gunman in X-Files star, Dean, Dean Haglund, he called me up and said, I want to come visit you. He said, listen, the CIA visited us, and they would plant these on us and tell us, hey, it's a good idea if you use this. So I want to be clear. Everybody in Hollywood isn't marching around getting CIA orders. Uh, it's the top producers. It's the top uh, production houses. They decide what they want to pick out of the millions of scripts. And then once you start ideas rolling, it magnifies, and others parrot it, adapt it, change it, and don't even know they're taking part in the larger program. Mm -hmm. On uh, One month before 9-11 happened, uh, the international censorship committees of the world met. And I didn't know at that time we had an international censorship committee. I knew every country had one. And you think your censorship committee is there to, to see what you'll be exposed to on television and so on. And it's there to protect you. But they published their findings and they published their speeches from the international meeting. This got lost immediately when, when the bombings happened on 9-11. But I remember them and I kept, I cut them up in newspapers because their speeches given, identical speeches written by what, the same scripter, obviously, for two professors, one in the United States who attended the meeting, one in Canada, a university here, and they said, now we have won the battle uh, for homosexuality and lesbianism and so on. We shall push the envelope. Our next target is for bestiality and intergenerational sex. That will be promoted heavily through comedy, television, and so on. So your, your, your censorship committee is there to guide the culture into the next phase and the next phase and the next phase, not to protect you. And that's because they have to cold-bloodedly remove the old basic human programming to keep tribes together and healthy. They have to fracture, break up families, break up societies, reduce us to isolated uh, creatures who, can, who only have a relationship with the flickering television or computer screen being programmed by our imaginary friends and they even call the show Friends. Mm -hmm. And we must be very... You see, again, Blair or George Orwell talked about this ability for bureaucracies to adapt so quickly. What's true and correct one day, uh, you must truly instantly believe it, this new correctness for today, even though it's diametrically opposed to your conditioning yesterday, and it's constant adaptation of political correctness. Now, the term West. political correctness came from the Soviet Union. 
as a direct translation from the Soviet for the same thing. And when they introduced the term political correctness in the West, they also introduced the term also from the Soviet Union, and that was anti-government. It started to appear in the paper for the first time, anti-government. So if you complain about government or a policy, suddenly you are anti-government. So it makes sense, because remember what um, Senator Dodds, Norman Dodds, found out when he did the Rees Commission uh, and back in the 60s, and he went around the big foundations. Now, the big foundations are the boys that pretend they're big charitable institutions, multi-billionaire, trillionaire institutions. They dish out the money that funds these professional non-governmental organizations. And, uh, and Dodds found out from the Ford Foundation, Carnegie and Rockefeller, the guy at the Ford Foundation, told them, our purpose is to eventually blend seamlessly the Soviet system with the American system into one. Well, let me expand on that. Let's just zoom in on a tiny, tiny microcosm of the entire picture. For 50 years, the Ford Foundation has been funding textbooks and comic books, millions of them a year, just like Marvel uh, last year got criticized for they're going to give every American child a U.N. Uh, comic books every few months that teach us to like world government. They admitted it. The U.N. said to teach us to accept global government, teach us how it's good, teach us about the new environmental system as an organizing cause, which is their whole eugenics program. And they said, don't get mad. We've been doing this with comic book people since the late 1940s. Well, it's the same thing. Comic books in Mexico saying America took the Southwest. The U.S. is bad. You want to break it down. La Reconquista. Our government, just like our government, the criminals that run it, uh, it, it came out in the Washington Post for 30-plus years, up until 2002, were still shipping millions of comic books and free radical hadiths, radical Islamic text uh, interpretations, to the Muslim countries from a Wahhabist perspective, uh, and the Saudi Arabians would match money with the CIA to radicalize Muslims so they could use those religious Muslims to tear down any secular government to actually neutralize and weaken uh, the uh, Middle Eastern and Central Asian uh, areas. So, again, there's the foundations, there's the governments breeding the rebellion. Mm-hmm. And in the Soviet Union, you see, this, this blending together of the Soviet system it, it has already happened. It's happened here. They have merged the two into one. And remember, going back to the, mo- the book called The First Global Revolution, written by the Club of Rome, uh, published in the 90s, it tells you in there by the founders, in their own words, they said, we, back in the 70s, looked for a reason to unite the planet. And they thought about the space alien, would that work? Would they all fall for that? Then they said, we hit upon the idea of stating that the, the, the people on the, the planet were causing global warming. We hit upon the idea, he says. And... And uh, so they said yes. Yeah, the head of the CFR in, in, in 1993, Richard N. Haas, and this is published, this is on the CFR website, and the Club of Rome said, we made this up to make humanity the enemy. That's a quote. That's right. I've got the book uh, from them. I've got the, the whole chapter. Uh, but, I mean, they're point blank. They're point blank, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. I mean, everything Alan's saying is in mainline textbooks. It's all available. In the 70s, they had the... Church hearings on foundations, uh, they called in the heads of the foundations, and they admitted the Carnegie Endowment for Peace, their founding document says we're going to create war and control it and play countries off against each other to bring in the one world government. Yes. And then when Gorbachev, of course, was president of the Soviet Union, he al- he'd already been given um, the right to have that organization in the United States while he was still president of the Soviet This is the top of the KGB at one time. It was now president, and he was given uh, the right to run this Green Institute.
cahoots with Maurice Strong and Mr. Rockefeller, and he had a hand in, in drafting up the Earth Charter. And that's Green right. Cross, Green Shield, base of the Presidio Naval Base uh, in San Francisco, where the U.N. was born in 1945, set up by the Pentagon, directed yeah. by the Royal Institute on International Affairs. That's right. And, of course, he was, he was given a knighthood as well. The, the Green Cross is the Knight of Lazarus. Uh, that's what it stands for. And, but he's a Soviet, he's a, a president of another country, a foreign country, being given a, a top position within the United States while he's still president of the Soviet Union. And his last speech he gave to the Politburo, it was printed in the Toronto Sun, and Eric Margolis was the foreign correspondent who printed up the whole speech. And Gorbachev told the Politburo and the top generals, he says, shortly you'll hear that communism is dead and finished. He says, don't believe it, we're simply moving on to the next phase of merging with the West. And they never even took the hammer and sickles off the tanks. Mm -hmm. uh, going back and expanding on that, there are so many examples of our government shipping them hundreds of millions of uh, pounds of wheat every year, oil, oh, yeah. the Rockefellers, Arm & Hammer owning the factories. We have Carol Quigley, the head of Georgetown uh, Political Science Division, Bill Clinton's mentor, admitting, bragging, to everyone that, hey, the Royal Institute roundtable groups that dominates the CFR and the rest of the world, they work with these people. They create these people. Yep. Uh, that's like Lord Milner in the 20s said, we need a rabble-rouser to put in power in Germany. We'll put the screws to the Germans, hurt them real bad, and then make them come after us, and then we'll have all, everybody surrounding Hitler will then sabotage him. I mean, they're slick, man, because they, oh, yeah. they plan out yeah. decades. Mm -hmm. So what we're looking at here, and here's where it hits most people who get to a certain stage of waking up, you're dealing with an ancient system and an ancient science and very old families who are given archives of information with, on the techniques, as it's formula. It's all to do with formula. If you want the public, as Plato said, to do anything, look at past history. What they've been made to do in the past, if you know the formula, you can reintroduce it again at any time in, uh, in the future. And take the movie 300 that was the biggest blockbuster last year, made like 400 million bucks. Mm -hmm. They show them killing imperfect babies at birth. Yeah. They show uh, basically how the Spartans went out and did human sacrifice. Uh, it's all for, and, and shown as the, as the most wonderful thing in the world. That's the beginnings of the eugenics. And I want to come back, Alan. We're going to take calls, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in uh, the uh, fourth hour that's about to start. I want to explain to people what their real beliefs are. Start getting into the eugenics. Yeah, the eugenics is incredible. If we, if we go back to history, we find, we find, for instance, pharaohs and kings of Persia and so on would often marry their own sister because they truly believed they were the most... They were already Darwinian. Darwin simply was a member of the same group centuries later espousing what they already believed in. They believed that spiritually and physically they were already the most perfect beings on the planet. And, that, and they didn't want to outbreed into the commoners. They always had two groups, themselves, the gods, and the commoners. And in Britain, the people are still called commoners. If you're not a member of nobility, you are a commoner. Well, they also called us the little people, and that's how they can tell who comes from a more, quote, noble family, the taller you are, mm -hmm. uh, and, and because they would artificially starve, and that's feudalism, mm -hmm. the people as a way to control them, and then uh, and they would get madder and madder as they inbred more and more of their children. You know, that's why you always hear about kings and queens not being able to have children and not having heirs, because they were so mentally ill and deranged and psychopathic. Really, they say they're their own species. They are. 
Alan. They are a, a psychopath, a inbred guild. Do you agree? Absolutely. I've, I've talked to some of them and heard them speaking about it themselves. So have I. We'll be right back with Alan Watt. Your phone calls. The fourth hour coming up. The show isn't over. Go to InfoWars.com to listen. Others that are patiently holding. Let me give you the new number to call in. I, I've actually got a 1-800. We haven't hooked it up yet. And this show will be on the network in the next few weeks. But it's only going to be at Infowars.com. I'm going to call and get a fourth hour shortwave, too, in the next few days. It's going to be at Infowars.com. Free streams there. But you have to go to the Infowars.com streams. You have to go to the website to hear it. It won't be on the Genesis streams this fourth hour. You go to InfoWars.com right now. You can listen for free there on 32-bit or 16-bit. And it's going to be in 64-bit for members of PrisonPlanet.tv. And you're going to have a five-minute video intro feed. And then myself and Alan Watt will be back, and we will be taking your calls. Here is the phone number. It's 512-646-5400. And I think 80-plus percent of the public now have unlimited long distance, so... 1-800s are really being obsolete, but we're still going to have one for you. 512-646-5400. 512-646-5400. I'll be right here myself uh, taking your phone calls off my board. We're going to call Alan back here in just a minute or two and get him on my board here, too. So we're beta testing this all myself live this fourth hour with the video feed and the rest of it. Let me just punch the video feed up. We're, we're rolling video clips of Stalin and Bush right now, but punch myself up so I can say hi to everybody. We have a document cam. I had Chinese food on the document cam a few minutes ago. But uh, there is the document cam. Got the uh, Finance and Development magazine. Global Governance, who's in charge? So this is an industry publication. It's all just admitted there. Oh, yeah, world government. We run everything. You know, that's for people in management. Twenty-something thousand CEOs get this. I mean, I, I'm seen as a CEO, I guess, because I run my own company. But all this stuff comes in the mail because they have a list of this. I never went on a list. I never asked to be on this. But I get sent it. You see, because I'm seen as somebody higher up in the system, even though I fight them, they, I'm on a list, they send it to me. Alan, uh, that's how this works, isn't it? It is how it works, and it's always, you always promote culture and changes from the top down, not from the bottom up. So it's, it's following its, its old routine. Uh, even management courses now, university, everything has been for quite a few years, globalism, globalism, globalism. Well, here, well here's another example. My dad is... Uh, you know, healthcare uh, consultant. He's also a dentist and, and uh, oral surgeon, so they always hire those guys because of medical laws. They want those to be, you know, uh, officers, board members, uh, consultants. And he goes all over the country a couple of days a week doing this. And about four years ago, he called me. He was at the Four Seasons here in Austin, you know, because they send him to these big seminars. It was like, you know, four or five thousand dollars a person to go hear this top guru talk, this big CEO. And he goes, this guy's talking about world government, how the elite miscalculated and dumbed everybody down too much. So now we're headhunting for homeschoolers to get them to join. I mean, it's like you said, Alan, it's now just right out in the open. It is. It truly is in the open. 
and they have such a dumbed-down public, the public that don't really care too much what's happening as long as their own little, little life and what they can do doesn't change too drastically uh, for them. Alan Watts, stay there. We're breaking, leaving the Genesis mothership and going out on our own to find new worlds and new civilizations to boldly go where no radio talk show host has gone before. All right. Hey, we'll be right back on video for PrisonPlanet.tv members and with Alan Watt for a full hour with no commercials right after this quick break. If you want to hear it on the Internet, you got to go to InfoWars.com and listen to those streams right there. Or go to PrisonPlanet.tv for PrisonPlanet.tv members and click on the live stream and watch it. And then, of course, later we will upload this today for PrisonPlanet.tv members to watch the encoded version of the live show that starts in 70 seconds. I am Alex Jones, PrisonPlanet.tv. PrisonPlanet.tv. 